0: In. amen great job second Kings chapter 4 if you'll turn there with us tonight second Kings chapter 4 um share a testimony with you so um This is my second trip to um, Pastor Cody's church. If you remember, uh, Pastor Cody, he sang when Pastor Lee preached here. They came to our camp meeting. and um, Country boy from Crane, Missouri, he can get down, though, on the guitar. Amen. He can belt. Amen. It's amazing what comes out of him. But um, So I told the church, I said, this usually don't happen to get to come back somewhere two times. It's usually over after the first. But uh, anyway, we had a great time. And. Um, I remember going there last year, and I just remember the Lord telling me on the way there, He said, um, I've got two words for you to speak to the church. And those two words were dimensional shift. And I didn't really know what that meant. And so I looked it up, and I'm going to look it up and share it with you all tonight if you're taking notes and you want to write this down. Um, Dimensional or dimensions is... To indicate the measurements of something, the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth. That's the measurements. And so what the Lord was was sharing with me last year about their church was that all of that was about to change, that expansion was coming. The height, the depth, the breadth, the length that God was fixing to send them outside of the walls and, and... it's just been great to see what God is doing. At the time when we went, Pastor Cody wasn't full-time. He's now full-time. He's began to preach out and minister. God's really using his life in great ways in their community to bring down walls of religion. And God has just instilled the grace of God in this man of God's life. Their church is growing. They're having new people come in. Um, while, while we were there, that Sunday morning and Sunday night, too, came to the Lord he had ministered to five years ago. Um, They came to the Lord Um, that night. They were sisters. They both came to the Lord, and God saved them and filled them both with the Holy Ghost right there in the altar. I seen God literally, the Lord was just speaking words, and uh, a mother and a daughter. There was things going on with the daughter, and the Lord was revealing that. And they came to the front. They're both repenting and hugging each other, weeping. And neither one of them had ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And as they were hugging each other, they both were filled, mom and daughter, holding each other, hugging each other, began to speak in other tongues. And um, it was just a miracle, amen, just the things that God was doing. And so the Lord told me this time, so dimensional is the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth. And shift is this. It means to move or cause to move from one place to another. That's what shift means. It also means a change in position or direction. And so as I was traveling there and was trying to take a nap, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, last year you shared with them that their church was going to be in a dimensional shift. He said, but this year I want you to tell them that they are going to bring the cause to shift the dimensions. Now that's different. Dimensional shift, here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said the dimensional shift last year was going to come without their permission. The Holy Ghost was going to come and just begin to press out. And he didn't have to ask their permission to do it. He's just going to move. And that's what the Holy Ghost does sometimes. He don't have to ask your permission to do anything. But it's up to you that if you're going to get in the will of God and be a part of that shift or not. And so this year he said, now it's a year later. I've done a work in them and they have come accustomed to my spirit moving, now it's up to them if they're going to be the shift. And here's what he said. He said, now you, now me and you, listen, and and I, I wouldn't, it's not for like a lack of prayer tonight, me just not having anything to preach. There's about four or five things stirring in my spirit, but God told me to preach this here tonight. I know you turned there in your Bible and you probably wrote it down. That preacher just preached there last Wednesday night. You're right, but we're going in a different direction tonight. And God is going to hold everybody under the sound of my voice accountable after tonight. And it's up to you what you do with it. And here's what the Lord began to tell me. He said, now I'm going to hold them accountable. He said, I have moved and I poured out for a year. He said, and the dimensions shifted because my spirit caused it to. He said, but now there's dimensions of darkness that are new than they were last year. There are dimensions now in the church Maybe rebellion, maybe resistance because of what the Holy Ghost is doing. Now there's new dimensions that weren't there a year ago. And now it's up to the people to shift the dimensions of that out of the way. So it is, are you with me? All right. So, so now, listen to me. We, we've been here. We've been, I've been pastoring here about eight years. Brother David said, you said Sunday morning last Wednesday was hard. You said, what, Sunday morning was tough. Brother Russell left defeated. You know, but I heard he preached a phenomenal word. But he felt in himself. It's what I read earlier about pastors. You'll never understand. You say, well, he did a good job. He needs to get over it. Well, you never understand if, if you've never been in that place. You, you, know, you know what I mean? You just feel like a failure and the enemy helps you out. Listen, if you've never dealt with that, well, then pray for those that have. Amen. Because I, I, I tell you, you know, I say a lot of times, I, I can be the most depressed person in the whole church at times. Don't give me permission to run to the doctor and say, all right, let's fix this. No, you just got to trust the pouring out of the Holy Ghost to lead you. Amen. And so listen to me. Us, all right. I look at this crowd. There's a great crowd here tonight. But now come Sunday morning, amen, there's going to be a lot of people that guess what's in their spirit. A lot of sin. And here's what happens. You know that when you come to the house of God, God's counting on you to shift the dimension of that sinner next to you. But here's what happens. A lot of times we conform to them instead of challenging them. Amen. Well, they're icky icky. They got sin going on in their life. Listen, they're sinning here tonight. Some of you playing games with God. Some of you don't want to get in the shift. You just want to stay right where you are because you're comfortable. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I couldn't, God did not give me a word for that church that night. I was just, I tried to go home. I tried to take a nap. I tried to get a message to preach. There was things that I wanted to preach, but here's what I heard the Holy Ghost say. And I just, as I was right there praying, the Lord said, You better speak this word to this house tonight. And here's what the Holy Ghost gave me for Crane, Missouri that night. But here's what God told me to speak to this church tonight. Wednesday night, September the 11th of 2019. Write it down, take a picture, do whatever you want to do. If you can't afford the shift, can you afford the sift? I'm going to say it again. If you can't afford the shift because it's going to cost you. You're going to have to move from the place that you are right now. Are you with me? Because God's fixing to move this church. For this church to just have a service that's just dead, (laughs) for this church to conform to something that is dead, that's not what God has called this house to be. This church is a revival church. (laughs) And and I'm not going to settle for it. I can settle for struggles, amen? I struggle a lot. There's times I relate to that man. You're trying to pull people out of the pits of hell and there's blood all in your boots. But guess what? I can't resign. I can't call in sick. I don't have the right to come up here and sit like this and get in the pulpit. I don't have that right. Why do you? Why do you have that right to do that? Why? Why? Are you saved? Are you right with God? What gives us the right to treat God's people, to treat God's son, and to treat his house with that respect? What gives us the right to come in that way when God has called us to a higher place? God has called GFCC to a higher level than that. And we settle for less. I'm not going to. I made up my mind two Wednesday nights ago in this house. I'm going forward. I'm moving forward. Amen. I said, I'm moving forward. And guess what? So is this church. So if you can't afford the shift, then let me tell you, you're going to have to afford the sift. And the sifting is not fun. The sifting is, is got claves in it, and it begins to cut off. It begins to cut things out of your life. Even the sifting, some things that are going somewhere, they don't go there. They get sifted out. Now, listen to me. This may not be popular, and you may be mad at me before tonight, but I'm accountable to God. I, I, I didn't have any plans on even saying that tonight, But whenever I was seeking the face of the Lord right here, God said, you say that to this house tonight. What gives us the audacity to treat Jesus that way? What gives us the audacity just because you've been here five years, ten years, thirty years, and as you're comfortable here, what gives us the audacity to just come in here and play games with God? What gives us the audacity to come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night prayer meeting and just sit there? Young people, what gives you the audacity? Why would we come to play games? This isn't the hour to be playing games with God. What are we teaching other people? We are to be the shift of that dimension. And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm talking to everybody that's here tonight. You are the vessel to bring that shift. Towards the will of God. Some people are trying to shift the direction. What did I say shift was? Move or cause to move from one place to another. A change in position or direction. What way are you shifting lives? What direction are you leading people? What position are you in? Sometimes we get in a position that God, we're here. God has to get us here. God will shift your position. God will shift it in a heartbeat. The very people you've trampled on and that you've placed under here, guess what? You better watch out. They might be the ones over you. So if you can't afford the shift, can you afford the sift? And I'm going to leave that right there, and I'm going to preach this word. But you better let it lie. You better let the anointing begin to... Deal in our heart. Amen. I love you. But I'm serious tonight. God's called this church to bring a shift in this nation. God has called this church to bring a shift in the world. God has called this church to bring a shift in this community. And for us to sit back and not be that, shame on us. Shame on us. But if we do the will of God, we'll change a community, we'll change a nation, and we'll change a world. If you get bitter about helping a church in Columbia, can you afford to sift? God said this about the new church. He said, you'll lend to many nations. That means you're going to do more in the world. But you shall not borrow here. I don't understand it all. I don't understand faith. Faith is the substance of things not seen, yet those things hoped for. I know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. I don't understand faith. I don't understand why Jesus would go to a cross. I don't understand the cross. I don't understand the resurrection. I understand it in my life. But I don't understand it all. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't get all this all the time. I don't get why you gotta step first in the river before God stops the river. I don't get all that. I don't get that you if you give to God first, then you and your son's gonna be spared in the end. I I don't get all that. I'm I'm making a bread and I'm going to eat and me and my boy is going to die. But then here comes this crazy man of God, walks up right in my life and tells me, no, feed me first. You know what the church would do? They'd send him packing and say, listen, to that selfish joker. I can't believe he has the audacity to even ask something like that. Here's me and my boy. We're both fixing to die. You better know the Holy Ghost. You better know the will of God. These are things that we've got to understand. Carnality has destroyed more churches because they didn't understand faith and didn't live by faith. Just because you don't understand it, you still got to have it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. I think I'll preach now. Y'all ready? 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 7. Amen. If you'll stand for, to read God's word tonight in honor of him. So tonight we're going to look at shifting dimensions, amen, shifting dimensions. Somebody say, I am the shift shift. to the dimensions of darkness, hallelujah. Now therefore cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? She said, Thine handmaid hath nothing, hath not anything in thy house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad, and all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, and borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels Thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt. and Live thou and thy children of the rest. Jesus, I pray, God, tonight that you would just anoint me, God, to preach your living word. Lord, I thank God that it's alive and well. God, we could preach this same scripture for the next year and something new come out every time. Jesus, I thank you that the Holy Ghost is alive and well. And, Lord, I thank you that you're in this preacher tonight. I pray, God, that you would anoint me. Lord, I pray that you would anoint every heart to receive in love and, and in grace tonight, God. Jesus, we pray that you would spur us and stir us on, God, to be that that you've called us to be, God. Let us not settle for anything less than that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I'm going to say this again tonight. The word shift means to move or calls from one place to another. Amen? A change in position or a change in direction. Tonight you may have came in one way, but you can leave in a new direction. Amen. Sometimes you have to change directions, amen. You have to change the path that you're on. Listen, dimensional means the indication or to indicate the measurements of something. Height, breadth, width, and depth, amen. Dimensional also means this, having sufficient depth and substance. You know what's wrong with a lot of churches and why we can't be the shift? Because the people don't want to go deeper with God and they don't want to have any substance to their life. Amen. You were to see them outside of the church or even see some people in the church. You wonder if they're a Christian. That's because there's no depth or substance in the manner of of Jesus in that life. Amen. That's what dimensional is, having sufficient depth. Amen. What does the Holy Ghost desire to do in our life? He desires to take us to a new dimension. He desires to take us deeper. He desires that substance of Christ be greater in my life, Brother Michael. Amen. That substance must be greater. I must desire to go deeper. Amen. The deep calleth unto deep. Amen. Here's what we got to shift up though, What, what Webster says because Webster amen is what the world would call it having sufficient depth and substance to be believable. Let me tell you I got to put faith in this and apply the Holy Ghost to this because here's the dimensions that God wants to take us. He wants to take us so deep and so much substance that it's unbelievable. Amen. I said God wants to do the unbelievable and the impossible things in our life. Amen. I shared with that church in Crane Missouri. I said the things, the dimensions that God is asking G. FCC to take right now, it really don't make sense to me either. Amen. So it really hurts me a lot of times when it don't make sense to me if somebody were to get mad at me because I asked and say, Let's build that church in Columbia while we're trying to build a church here. Amen. It really don't make sense, but I know that's what God is saying. And God said, if you'll take care of me first, amen, then I'll take care of you. Amen. That's what the word of God said, and the promises of God said in Deuteronomy 8, 28, 12, that you're gonna lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Amen. I think the moment we tried to shut that down or clog that up or stop that up, then we're shutting the bowels of compassion that Jesus has put inside of us. Amen. I believe fully in the word of God. I know that woman had two sticks. She had a little meal and she had a little oil. Amen. But that tells me that she had the cross. She had the bread of life and she had the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's all you need. Amen. I tell you, she had all of them things and she was making that last cake of bread and her and her little boy were going to go home and die. But when the man of God showed up, that woman said, she talked to that man, what can I do? He said, why don't you make me a cake first? She didn't doubt it. She didn't question it. She just made a cake and she went and served the man of God. And the next thing you know, once the man of God ate, then God took care of that woman. The Bible said that the oil, that barrel never ran dry. Can I tell you, it sustained her. Why? Because there was depth in her life. There was substance in her life. Let me tell you, you begin to question God, that's because there's no depth or no substance in your life. It didn't make sense when the man of God come walking by and that woman looked to her husband and said, let's build God a room. Amen. The husband didn't question and the woman said, let's do it. Can I tell you, they built the man of God a room. They put a bed in there. They put a table in there. Can I tell you the bed? It's for intimacy. Can I tell you the table? It's so that you can pull up and eat at the table it said they put a candle there the light of Jesus was there I'm talking to somebody tonight we can't question God if God says build a church build a church he says build a room for God build a room for God cause in that room that woman received her son back to life Amen. hallelujah hallelujah she didn't even have a son and that boy died And I tell you, resurrection happened in the same room that she built for God. (laughs) The things you do for God today, you'll reap the rewards tomorrow. But if there's not depth and substance in your life, see, that's unbelievable. That's a dimension that the church really don't know much about, Dana. That's a dimension that we're afraid to walk into. That's a dimension. Ah, we ain't got the money to build a room for God. Ah, we can't do that right now. Well then your son will die. (laughs) I don't want that to happen. I don't want to sow death. I want to sow life. I want to sow in faith. Because I know if I sow in faith then I'm going to reap in faith. I know that if I sow in the spirit then I'm going to reap in the spirit. But if I sow carnality then guess what I'm going to reap? I'm going to reap carnality. That's what I'm going to reap. If you can do it then it ain't God. (laughs) If you can fix it it ain't God. If you can think it, then it ain't God. Because God's always thinking greater than I am. He's always doing greater than I am. Amen. I promise you that we're not going to be able to outthink God. The dimensions of this woman's house, the first dimension, you got to know this, it was just dark. The dimensions of this widow's house, it was dark. I mean, can you imagine? Here she is. She just buried her husband. She just buried her husband. She's probably not even got him in the ground long, Brother Michael. And she comes back to her house, and there's just darkness all in her house. I mean, she just buried her husband. She don't even have the money to pay for that. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I just get him in the ground. Ain't that just like the devil? Let me tell you something you better not say. Can it get any worse? (laughs) Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say, God, can it get any worse? What else? I mean, she just got her husband buried in the ground. He was a man of God. And then all of a sudden she goes back to her house. and I mean, there's nothing in her house. Can you imagine? It was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a dimension of depression. Can you imagine how this widow must have felt? I just buried my husband. Then there was a debt that she knew that she couldn't pay. So she got rid of everything. There was nothing in her house. Can you imagine how empty she must have felt? I mean, how would you feel, wives, if you came home and that was you and your two boys? You had just buried your husband, and there's not even a bed for you to lay on. You're sleeping on the floor. I'm not making this up. When the prophet said, what do you have in your house? Listen, she had got rid of everything that had any kind of value that she thought in her mind. Everything that had any financial substance or value, she got rid of it to try to pay the debt. But guess what? It still wasn't enough. The dimensions of that widow's house was one of great debt. I just heard the Holy Ghost when I was praying this afternoon. He said, there's some people that's got dimensions of great debt. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'm going to do financial miracles in people's lives. Dimensions of debt. There was a debt that she couldn't pay. Don't you know, here she is. She's like, oh God, I got a debt I can't pay. I've got rid of everything and it's still not enough you ever just been in that place where you just feel like you do and you do and you do and it just ain't enough? Man, I got rid of everything, but it just ain't enough. My husband's dead. I buried him. It's me and my boys. We don't even have a bed to lay on. We got got rid of everything, but there's still a debt that I can't even pay. Imagine the doom and the gloom. Imagine the darkness. Imagine the depression that is in that hole. Imagine that. Imagine it was one of death. Her husband had just died. Can you imagine just death? You know how it is after a funeral? It's just dark. She's got rid of everything. She's got nobody to lean on but her two boys. Can you imagine having to deal and grieve in death? And all the person that you got is your two sons to lean on. It was one of the devil. What does the devil do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's one of destruction. It was one of depression. It was one of discouragement. Can you imagine what kind of failure she must have felt like? Having to give up everything. Having to give up them boys' baby bed maybe. Having to get rid of their... their, their imagine having to tell them boys, we got to sleep on the floor tonight. Your dad left us with a debt. I had to get rid of your bed. What are we going to do, Mom? I don't know. I got that oil, I don't really know what that matters, depression, she's just beating herself up, told them boys, then all of a sudden, who's at the door? Man, it's the doggone devil, it's the creditor, and you know what he wants? I've got rid of everything in my house. I'm depressed. It's dark. I just buried my husband. You know what the devil wants? He wants the next most important thing to my heart. He wants my two boys. What do I do? Because there's a debt that I couldn't pay, and according to the law, I've got to give my boys up. Can I tell you what the devil always says, what the creditor said? Just give them to me for a little bit until the debt's paid. I'll return them. Isn't that what the devil says? Just come with me for a little bit. We'll have a good time. I'll just take you to be a bondman for a little while. But once the debt's paid, then you can go back. And you know what? I bet them boys, even in that moment, what a time of temptation for the boys. I don't even have any food. I don't even have a bed. Isn't that just like when the devil comes? When mama's got to give you disappointing news. Daddy's dead. Ain't that a perfect time for the devil to move right in? Can you imagine the dimensions of that widow's house? Can you imagine living in that place? Can you imagine being that woman? Can you imagine being them two boys, not having anywhere to lay your head, not having food on the table? Your daddy just died, and there's a debt. Now the devil comes. Am I going to have to go and be a bondman? You know what? They might have been ready to suit up, put their working boots on, and go pay the debt. But then the man of God comes. I hope I'm talking to somebody tonight. I'm talking about the dimensions of darkness, the dimensions of depression, the dimensions of death, the dimensions of death, the dimensions of the devil. My God, That's enough to bury somebody. But I come to tell somebody tonight, when God showed up, the dimensions of that widow's house begin to shed. You know why I begin to shed? Because that woman made up her mind. You know what that woman said? When God came, God said, what do you have in your house? Well, (laughs) there's one thing I didn't throw away. There's one thing I didn't get rid of. You know why she didn't get rid of it? Somebody needs to hear me tonight. Because she was a protector of the oil. Woo. Woo! I said she was a protector of the oil. I wish my jacket would open up. Woo. She was a protector of the oil. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why she was a protector of the oil? Because her husband was a protector of the oil. She was married to Obadiah. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Her husband was Obadiah. Amen. And Obadiah, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, it said when Jezebel came to attack the prophets, there was a hundred of them. And when Jezebel came, I'm talking about the oil. Obadiah, the Bible said, he hid 50 in one cave and he hid 50 in the other. And Jezebel kept going right on by. Can I tell you, Jezebel's not attracted if you don't have the oil. But Obadiah was a man that protected the oil. He hid them prophets. Why? Because there was oil in that vessel, and he hit him, so Jezebel couldn't get them. Oh Hallelujah. He was the protector of the oil. I guarantee you, Obadiah, before he died, he said, baby, he said, you get rid of everything in that house as a dead. He said, but don't you get rid of that oil. She better save that pot of oil. That's what she said, ain't it? What's in your house? Nothing. Save a pot of oil. I got nothing left, save a pot of oil I bet that was Obadiah's words when he was going in the ground Baby you save that pot of oil, that's going to be enough Amen, he knew it was enough when he hid them hunter prophets in the cave I need to tell somebody tonight, you got to be a protector of the oil You better get that oil and you better tuck it in your pocket If it don't fit, you better tear it out where you can get it in there. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the oil in this house. Jesus, he was a protector of the oil. And guess what? He taught her to protect the oil. I need to say this too. That thing's generational. I'm talking to this church tonight for a minute. There's a generational anointing in this house tonight. Amen. The Obadiah's before us. Amen. Some of you've been in Pentecost a lot longer than I. I was talking to somebody today. They said, old David Bryant Leah, he was in Carmel, amen, with us a long time ago. You've been a protector of the oil, brother. 12 years old. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said, there's some fathers before us. You've been in Pentecost a long time. Amen. There's some daddies before us. There's some Obadiahs in our life. They seen Jezebel and so they buried the oil. So Jezebel kept going right on by. Amen. Some of you have been in the place that I'm talking about tonight. You've lived in the dimensions of the widow's house. I don't know about you. My God, I know that I have. It comes a million a day And I get in this pulpit. And the dimensions that I'm living in are the dimensions of the widow's life. Amen. But let me tell you, when I get in here and I'm a protector of the oil, that oil begins to flow, that anointing begins to move. You can be sick you can have a kidney disease you can have parasites in your body but my God when you begin to move in the flow of the oil everything changes hallelujah hallelujah I feel a shift in the house I feel a shift I feel a shift hallelujah my God whoo Obadiah protected the oil. That widow protected the oil. Guess what she taught them boys to do? You know what God said? He said, I tell you what you do. He said, You take that vessel of oil. You protected it. He said, Now I want you to go to all your neighbors. He didn't say pick and choose. He said, but go get empty vessels. And he said, when you get them, I want you to bring them back in. And then what did he say do? Shut the door. He said, Shut the door. Let me tell you, not everybody needs to know what's going on when the oil flows. <laughs> that devil sitting at the door. He was just a knocking. I said he was just a knocking. I bet he went to the other door. Amen. He said, shut the doors. Amen. I bet he went to this door. I need them boys. There's a debt. It's got to be paid. Give me them boys. They're going to come be my bondsmen. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost did. God said when he showed up, he said, you go get empty vessels. He said, you bring them back in the house. And when you get them in the house, he said, you shut the doors. He said, and when you shut the door, he said, you begin to fill them empty vessels with the jar of oil that you saved. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. In this house tonight, I feel a shift in the atmosphere. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That was generational. You older people, if you're not teaching the younger to protect this oil, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost and watch what happens. You don't protect the oil. You go out them doors. You get in the car and you shut the door with your kids in there and you start talking about what went on behind closed doors. You're not a protector of the oil. So you know what that tells me? That you didn't shut the door. The creditor will come to your house. There might not be a financial debt that you owe, but there's a spiritual debt that you owe. There's too many people that's letting the oil flow with open doors. Oh, yeah, we talk about everything. Well, I believe it's Isaiah 36, 37, or 38 where God just performed a great miracle in Hezekiah's life, but he forgot about the miracle in the 15 years that God just spared him and that he gave him. And then what did he do? He opened everything up, and he said, Come on, you Babylonians. Come on. Why don't you come see everything? And whenever God came back, sent the man of God, sent the word of God, he said, What all did you show them? I showed them everything. No, everything, everybody don't get to see everything. There's too much oil flowing. Let me tell you, you're not a protector of the oil. Guess what? When the devil comes knocking, you're going to have to answer it in your own flesh. Because that oil ain't going to be able to defend you now. Because you wasn't a protector of it. I want to be a protector of the oil. I want to protect the oil. GFCC, this is an oil flowing church. I said, this is an oil flowing church. I'm all right if you come in here and you're still and dry. But I'm not okay if somebody full of the Holy Ghost next to you don't do their part. I said, I I got problems then. Because it's up to us to bring the shift. It's up to us to spur somebody else on. It's up to us to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you ain't flowed in the Holy Ghost in a while, then my God, get in this altar tonight. Let the oil flow. It's time to be a protector of the oil. We got to quit coming to church and not letting the Holy Ghost pray. We gotta quit going in our house mowing grass, whatever you're doing. Not let the Holy Ghost pray. We need to let the oil flow at all times in our life, not just when you come to church or every month or every year. Once ever, oh, I spoke in tongues about a year ago. No, you better let that oil flow. I said we gotta be protectors of the oil. Let me tell you, Jezebel is hot on the Holy Ghost heels. Amen. If you're not being like Obadiah and burying the prophet of God, or burying, I'm talking about covering them up. I'm talking about laying over them. I'm I'm talking about love covers a multitude of sin. If you're joining the bandwagon when somebody's talking about the prophet of God, the pastor of this house, or the White House, if you're not burying them and covering them up from Jezebel, you are a Jezebel. We must be protectors of the oil. Obadiah was a protector. The widow woman was a protector. Them boys became protectors of the oil, shut thy door, they were protectors, they were protectors, shut the door, second thing he said, the dimensions of this house are going to change, he said, you shut the doors and you protect the oil first, he said, but when you get them empty vessels in there, he said, don't you pick and choose, (laughs) GFCC, don't you pick and choose, Layperson, board member, pastor, youth minister, kids' church leader, worship leader, church sitter, pew sitter, church builder, whatever you are, don't you judge what vessel you get to pour into and which one you don't. I don't know that they had time to get the dirt off. <laughs> I I didn't read anything in there where he said, clean them up first. I didn't hear anything where he said, get the dust out the middle or clean the outside up. He didn't say nothing about that. And he didn't say what neighborhoods to go, if they were the white neighborhood or the black neighborhood or the Mexican neighborhood or the Dominican neighborhood or the African neighborhood or the Colombian neighborhood. Or the the Israel neighborhood. He didn't tell what neighbors. He said go to all thy neighbors. And he said get empty vessels. He didn't say what color. He didn't say what shape. He didn't say what size. He didn't say tall, skinny, narrow, fat. He didn't say none of that. He said get empty vessels. And he said let me tell you. He said when you go to get them. He said you better get all that you can get. He said borrow not a few. It's not up to us who God brings here. It's not up to us. And it's not up to you. Because let me tell you. What did he say? He said it's not enough just to go get empty vessels. Here's the problem. We got too many empty vessels sitting on church pews and you're not pouring into anybody. You know why we don't pour into anybody? Because we're so selfish and we're stuck on ourselves. We're too busy in our own stuff. You know what God told me one time? Self-pity is my greatest devil. I get in a pity party. Anybody else go there? Amen. I put my black tie suit on, and I go to the black tie suit pity party. (laughs) Anybody else ever been to that party? (laughs) Oswald Chambers said self-pity is from the depths of hell. Amen. I believe it if anything else is. So I'm at Dunklin' one time, and boy, I'm in a pity pot big time. I mean, I'm in a funk. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm bad. Couldn't nobody even pull me out of that thing. Hush, Gary. And, and the Lord, I'm sitting there, and the Lord just kind of talks plain to me. He said, Jared, you want to get out of the pity? Well, I don't know, God. It's comfortable. He said, well, when you do, he said, go help somebody else. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the last thing I felt qualified to do in that moment, because I'm in pity. It was simple. That's, that's not deep theology. <laughs> he said, you go help somebody when you're ready. And let me tell you, if you're ready to get out of where you're in, your funk, your pity party, we forgot to play the video, I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of the rut, we might have to play it after this. If, if you want out of that rut, you want out of your pity party, then let me tell you what you do. Find somebody. And when you pour out in pity, God will answer in power. When you pour out in your pity, God will answer in power. He said he would. He said, in your weakness, what? His power is made perfect. When you're in pity, you're weak. But he's not. He understands our pity. You know what he wants us to do? It's to shift. But God ain't going to push you. He did for a while. But let me tell you something. Open your eyes and open your ears. You've been here long enough now. I'm going to say this to this side, all right? Let me say, open your eyes and your ears. You've been here long enough now. Shift. God ain't going to push you no more. He's took the pacifier out. He's pulled the bottle away. And he said, we're getting off the milk and we're moving to the meat. So if you want out of that, then shift. What did we say shift meant? Move from direction or position or place. Who's got to do that? Well, God's pushed us long enough. He's patted us on our little rears long enough. Come on, come on. Now he's saying, you do it. Shift. And you know what? When you begin to do that, guess what? You're going to reach over there and you're going to grab somebody else by the hand. And they're in their funk too and guess what's going to happen to them? When you move in pity, God's going to move in power. I seen a mama bring her twenty-year-old daughter, and here's what the Lord began to tell me. This was so exciting. I could see mama's stress. I could see mama's pain, and I could see that it all was coming from the daughter. And the Holy Ghost just began to speak. I said, "I said, ma'am. I said, is that your daughter? I said, is that are you mom? And they said, yeah. And she just began to weep already. And I said, could y'all come up here where I could pray? They were in their stuff, but when they moved in pity. God met them with power. I seen that mom and I seen that daughter. They're sitting here. I seen the daughter bent over and the mama bent over. They moved in pity and God met them in power and I mean they were broken and God baptized mom and daughter at the same time in the Holy Ghost. Now they were back there in that church pew. They were eat up. They were in a funk. They were in pity but when God called them out, the value of the vessel began to change the moment. They took the first step of faith. God God met them and knew that he was going to baptize them. He knew he was going to move in power. I hope you're hearing me tonight. My God, we got to move in pity and trust God by faith. He'll move in power. Pour into empty vessels. Listen to me. It's not up to us. They were just empty vessels, dusty, dirty. But when God spoke, he said, you go get them. God has the final say, you don't. Quit judging me. You might not want to pour into me. Fine, don't. Find somebody to. Find somebody to. You don't want to pour into this church? Fine, don't. Find one you can. You don't like who comes here? Find somebody you do like. Let me give you a little secret. You won't like them at that church either. You won't like that pastor either. Because the issue is not them, it's you. You're still with me? Listen, when God, when we move in pity and God meets with power, we can never become prideful. Because many times God meets us and begins to move in power, and guess the first thing we do? We forget God. So they went and got empty vessels. They shut the door. She was a protector of the oil. Amen. She began to pour in empty vessels. I love this. You just got to read this with me. After they did all that, she said, there's not a vessel more than the oil stake. Can you imagine that? I mean, you talk about the power of God. I mean, one little vessel, they just see the power of God moving. Are you with me? All these empty vessels, and I mean, they're just pouring and they're, pouring, and they're pouring, and they're pouring, and they're pouring. And she said, give me another vessel, and they said, we don't even have any more. The oil was poured, and there wasn't even another vessel to fill up. The oil stayed. What oil stayed? The oil that she started with. <laughs> I'm glad you clapped, Casey. I'm glad that ministered to you. Amen. The oil stayed. What oil? The one she began with. She probably had a house full of empty vessels. I'd have loved to have been there just seeing the oil pouring, pouring, pouring. I believe that's the revival we're going to see. And when the oil quits pouring, the oil's going to stay. It's going to be enough for the remnant. And then Christ is coming to rapture the church. There's not a vessel more what's Jesus waiting on when there's not a vessel more when there's no more hearts it's going to turn to me he said that he's patient amen why because he's waiting for hearts to turn unto him but I believe there's coming a day when there's not going to be another vessel but the oil is going to stay <laughs> Woo! I better hurry up. it's Wednesday night verse 7 said After the oil stayed and they filled all them vessels. You know what she's still probably sitting there saying, but I bet that devil was still pounding. Don't y'all think? Give me them boys. She just kept the door shut. The oil was flowing. She didn't have any idea what she was tapped into. (laughs) She just kept hearing that devil. Let me tell you, when the oil starts flowing, don't be surprised if you keep hearing the knock at the door. When God starts moving, you got the provision. The provision's in you, and you don't even realize it. That, that devil's gonna get loud or something. Give me them boys. You know what that devil's probably that oil don't matter. What are you gonna do with empty vessels? What are you gonna do with them neighbors? You think God's gonna really use them? The devil's knocking. Verse 7 says this: After all that happened, then she came and told the man of God. I bet she went to him and she said, now, I got a house full of empty vessels filled with oil. I bet she went back to the prophet and said, now, guess what? Don't become prideful when the power begins to fall. That room had to be filled with anointing. Can you imagine what that room must have smelled like? The fragrance of the oil. Smell the anointing. I smell the oil. Holy. Just shut your eyes and just smell for a minute. Picture yourself in that room. The devil's banging on the door. You probably lived there before. And you just see empty vessels everywhere filled with oil. And I'm talking about that oil's just flowing from one vessel to another. Can you just see and smell the aroma? To one, it smells like the smell of death. To the other, it is the smell of life. <laughs> Just the aroma of Jesus and the oil and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Here's that widow woman and her two boys. You know why God had to empty that house? To make room for the vessels to fill the house sometimes God's got to clean a house out before he can fill it up (laughs) sometimes there's too many full vessels for empty vessels to find a place to come amen sometimes God's got to empty a house out he's got to get rid of the beds and the comfort zones and everything else amen he probably had to get rid of the candles on the table because it probably had to become dark amen but I believe that God got her to a place and a position when he said what have you in your house she said man of God I've got nothing left God's waiting on some of us to get to the place in our life where we say, God, I've got nothing left to give in my life. I've got this to give you. I've got that to give you. I've got only a little pot of oil. I don't have a bed you can lay on. I don't have a table you can eat at. I don't have a light where you can see, but I do have some oil. I believe God said in that moment, I got her right where I want her now. Now she can fill that house up with empty vessels, but the empty vessels was not enough. She had to begin to let that original oil begin to flow in every empty vessel that was in that house. I feel the Holy Ghost in my life and I see him filling it up in this house. I see empty vessels coming in. I see the oil flowing. I smell the fragrance of the anointing in my nostrils even now. I see Jesus walking to and fro with the anointing, just pouring it in, empty vessels, healing them, cleansing them, and providing for them. She didn't forget God. Listen to me, preserve your walk with God. That word preserve means maintain or keep alive. You better preserve your walk with God. Some of you hadn't preserved it lately. We like preservatives, we eat them all the time. But is your walk with God preserved? That word preserved means maintain or keep alive. Even after you've seen God move in great power, I got a house full of anointing. <laughs> But guess what she did? She went back and said, God, what do you want me to do with them? She preserved her walk with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 7 says this. Because she, she preserved her walk with God, guess what God did? He brought the provision. He said, go and sell it. You still with me? I'm going to close in four more points. And I'll try not to preach these four. The provision. The provision. Her house was filled with a provision, and she didn't even know it yet. She didn't know it until God spoke it. Some of you have the provision, and you don't even know it yet because God ain't spoke it. But God's about to speak. God's about to speak. And I feel release coming. That house is filled right now. The hole's flowing inside that house right now. But let me tell you what, that ain't enough. That ain't enough. Can I tell you, GFCC tonight, everybody that's here, look at me. If you're not selling out, then the debt won't be paid for you. If you come here week after week after week and just get oil poured in, but you're not selling it, what good are you doing? You're a stale Christian, like a stale cracker. Who likes eating stale chips? (laughs) Stale Christians don't bring shift. (laughs) I said, stale Christians don't bring shift. A stale Dorito don't bring shift to my stomach. A stale Christian don't bring shift to the dimensions of darkness. We're so full of oil, but we're so selfish that we don't sell out. So God said, sell the oil. You know what she could have said? I don't want to. We've put a lot of work into this. (laughs) That's what some of you say. I don't want to. I've worked hard for this money. Why would I want to give it to an envelope to build a church in Columbia that I'll never see? (laughs) Sell out. Read the Word. Be a Word person. And when you read the Word, the Word will sell you out. Because it gives you not an option because it's a two-edged sword. The provision was in her hands, and she didn't even know it. But when God spoke, she said, okay. You hold provision. Some of you may hold provision to do many things. And when God speaks, what will you do? Will you sell it or will you keep it? She said, sell, he said, sell the oil. Don't come to church just to be filled. If you come to church to feel better, then you're coming for the wrong reasons. That's a stale, selfish Christian. You better come because Jesus has called you to come. Third thing, he said, go and sell it and pay thy debt. As Christians, guess what? We're accountable to pay our debt. He didn't leave that out. He said, go pay the debt. I was talking to somebody today. They said, we want to pay the debt. We believe that house is going to sell tomorrow. Pay the debt. We believe that. We trust that. oil's flowing tonight. (laughs) You didn't know what I was preaching on. God does. Pay the debt. God has called us. Amen. I'm not getting into all that, but let me want to tell you. There's a spiritual debt that none of us could pay. And the devil came knocking. There's a debt that our children, that the enemy is coming after our kids. And guess what? What does he want? He don't want to borrow them for a season. He wants to take them for life. And so he's knocking on the door. There's a debt that our children The devil wants our children to pay a debt. Well, I couldn't get them, so I'll get them. There's a debt that we cannot pay. But if our homes, mom and dad, listen, I'm talking me me and Carrie. I know the devil wants our children. I know that, even down to our seven-year-old. There's times he's tormented by the devil. The devil wants our kids. There's a debt, Brother Michael, we can't pay. But if we're protectors of the oil and if we sell the oil, guess what, brother? Your children's going to be all right. They're coming home. They are. Because you're a godly dad. They're coming, brother. You hold on to it. They're coming. Tonight in this service, God's releasing something, brother Michael, in their lives. Just let it go right now. You release that oil, release it, Pastor. I believe tonight there's miracles in this house tonight. If we'll truly sell out tonight. Listen to me, there's a debt that we can't pay. And in that moment, he said, go sell the oil and pay thy debt. (laughs) The power of God came. Pay the debt. You know the most powerful force in the universe Is love. Go sell the oil. And whenever you love, guess what? You can only love because of the grace of God. Because people don't love people. We hate people. I can't love nobody in my flesh. It's hard enough loving them in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) If you love somebody, it's because of the grace of God in your life. And so in that moment, there was a debt that had to be paid. So then grace had to show up, Michaela. The grace of God came. Now the debt's paid. Who paid our debt? Jesus, how? By the power of love, by the power of grace. A debt they could not pay, we owe it to God and the world to pay the debt. Can I tell you, when you sell the oil, the debt's going to be paid. Let me tell you this, if you don't sell your oil, who's going to die and go to hell? Who's going to have to pay the debt of death because you were unwilling to sell the oil for them? Who's going to die and go to hell because you sat by them week after week after week in church and you wanted to sit in your black tie pity party and not take the shift. And so the dimensions in your life never changed nor the dimensions in their life and today they're dead and in hell. Because you were unwilling to sell the oil. That woman in Columbia, we went walking the streets that day. We sold the oil. I saw then if I've ever seen the need for the mission field. When she took us back to her house, after she was delivered of demons, gave her life to Jesus, demons came out, she got born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost. She took us back to her house and she showed us the rope that was hanging where she tried to kill herself the week before. Somebody had to sell the oil. Somebody had to pay a price to go. But because somebody did that, guess what? There'll be a life in heaven. A debt was paid. Some of you right now, you're paying the debt for your children and you don't even realize it yet. Listen to me. I'm I'm about to close. He said this, go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou. That word live in the Hebrew means prosperous living. Live thou. That sounds like a dimensional shift to me. (laughs) It went from a a dimension of darkness, of death, of depression. Go sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou. What what did the man of God say? Woman, you used to be depressed. There was death. There was was darkness. There was all these things in your life. But guess what? I want to prosper you now. Woo! I want to prosper you now. Live thou. But guess what? He didn't stop there. Listen to me, Brother Michael. This is for you. Live thou and thy children on the rest. You know what that tells me? I don't know how old them kids were. But you know what? The oil stayed. There was enough vessels not only for her to live and be prosperous, but he says your children too, they're going to live. You know what they went from? They went from the God of not enough, the God of what was left, to the God of more than enough. Amen. What did you have in the house? Save a pot of oil. All I got's a little bit. But now guess what's happening? Now the debt's been paid. Now the, now the depression has been lifted. Now the darkness is gone. Because why? Because there was value on the vessel. What brought the dimensional shift in that house? Anybody know? <laughs> one vessel of oil. That one vessel of oil said, you know what? I've lived in this darkness long enough. When God spoke, empty vessels began to come in that house. Can I tell you, when the oil began to flow, can I tell you, I believe the depression just began to ooze out. I believe the darkness began to lift. I believe whenever that woman began to see that oil flow, Sister Stacy, she didn't think no more about Obadiah being in the grave. (laughs) I believe that grace came. And I believe that the love of God began to fill that house. I believe she began to smell the aroma of the oil. And she said, ooh, I smell the anointing. I know God's about to do something. Listen, he says, on the rest. That means that that is remaining. That means I looked it up in the root word of this word. It means of the rest. It means plenteous. That means that there was plenty left over. There was one pot in the beginning, but whenever God got done, your woman, you're going to live and you're going to be prosperous and your children are going to live. There's going to be plenty for them. Can I tell you, there's a progression in the Holy Ghost. I said, there's a progression in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to you're not gonna claim to be a spirit-filled believer and stay in the same place that you were six months ago. I said, there's a progression in the Holy Ghost. There's a progression when the oil begins to flow, it will move you from one position to another. I said, there was a progression. When we started this story in verse number one, the Bible said there was a certain woman and she cried. I don't know that she cried when the oil began to flow. She may have had tears of joy, but when she was crying in the beginning, she was crying over her husband being in that grave. Let me tell you though, here's what the Bible says. I bet that went from tears of crying, tears of death to tears of joy. I believe that she went from depressing to rejoicing. Amen. Because not only did she live a prosperous life, but there was plenty for her children to live on too. Let me tell you church, if you're in the same place tonight that you were last week and you're not being progressive in the Holy Ghost and moving to deeper levels and being brought to higher heights, I'm not talking about the dimensions that's temporary. I I'm talking about the movement of the Holy Ghost. That's eternal. Amen. I can tell you that the dimensions of darkness, of depression, of death, all that is temporary, Sister Dana. But the progression of the movement of the Holy Ghost is, temp- is eternal. Amen. I'm talking about an eternal God. I'm talking about an eternal spirit. I'm talking about the progression. Us moving from one place. You may have came in this house tonight with dimensions of the widow's house. But I want us to leave this house. And I believe that there is a spiritual progression for GFCC you write it down, take a picture do whatever you want to do I'm telling you, get a copy of tonight get on board or get out but be ready for what God is doing here hallelujah 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 you see the progression in the widow's house when the vessels came in can I tell you they brought a shift You're empty vessels, or you're full. Wherever you are, you may be half empty tonight. Are you bringing shift to the dimensions of darkness? You are the vessel. Somebody say, I'm the vessel. I came from the neighborhood, and it didn't matter which neighborhood, because I'm here now, and I'm here, and I'm going to flow in the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to (laughs) shift. I said, I'm going to shift. I was here last night, but guess what? I'm here tonight. I'm going to continue to bring shifts to the dimensions. There's darkness right here, but guess what? He that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. you got to let the oil flow, amen? I see darkness right now, but whenever I come to the table, guess what? When I step to the darkness, the darkness don't push me back. No, 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 no. I push the darkness back because that that is in me, amen? I said, he that is in me, brother, we've seen it in Africa, amen? That darkness came to that room, but we had to step up. We had to bring the shift, amen? I said, we had to bring the shift. It wasn't up to us in our flesh it was up to the power and the might of the Holy Ghost we were just two vessels from America and the darkness was afraid but when the vessel began to move in the might of the Holy Ghost the darkness had to flee I'll close with this scripture the Holy Ghost spoke here not long ago very very beautifully brother Derek you gave the word and this was the scripture. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20 and 21 says this, "But in a great house, this is a great house. This is God's house. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. You know what the earth is? That's where we came from. So there's both in this house tonight. Some of you are fighting with carnal things over spiritual. There's two kinds of vessels in this house tonight. One of honor and one of dishonor. There is. Because here's what the word says. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of the earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. Now listen to me. Here's the hope. Here's the hope. If a man therefore purge himself from these, here's what you can do. You can repent. Purge yourself. What does that mean? I'm shifting. If a man purge himself, who's going to do it? You're going to step to God and say, all right, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost purge me. But you have to be the shift. Are you hearing me? I don't know if y'all are getting this. We are the shift. We are. If the dimensions of darkness, if whatever was in here Sunday morning, why didn't somebody step up and move? move it you take that brother david owen said that that sunday we came back from columbia man and the enemy wanted to fight but he said you all rose up we had to be the shift somebody's got to be the shift amen not in your flesh no you better move in the holy ghost you move against the darkness in your flesh you'll the darkness will sit you down we're not talking about doing stuff in your own little fleshly weak pima Flesh? No. I'm not talking about vessels of dishonor. You better not try to move in God's house. No, a vessel of honor. Worship team, listen to me. We open with worship. You have the authority and the power to bring the shift. What you shared today, that needs to be spoken in this body. From, the, from worship, from a heart of worship, Dean. God don't speak those things to us just to hold on. When I read it today, what you read, I felt something deep within me. I could be in your car and I felt like God sitting next to you, talking to you. I could see God just had his hand on your hand, just investing those things in the pit of your stomach. I could feel it. Worship team, you hold the authority, exercise it. Pastor Lee blew in his phone seven times and commanded dry wind to come into that storm. And the meteorologist said the next day, some unseen force of dry wind blew into the storm. And Baton Rouge got two inches of rain, verse 22. That's authority that shifts dimensions. He was the shift for all of Baton Rouge. For all of Baton Rouge, a man in Dominican Republic holding his phone in a motel room. Can you imagine that? He brought that. How many lives were spared? If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for life, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. I believe I've invested what God gave me. What you do with it tonight will be on you. If you can't afford the shift, can you afford the shift? Let me tell you, as a pastor, it's hard to ever see people leave. But I know when you move forward, a lot of times and the dimensions begin to change. Not everybody respects that or appreciates that. But it's not up to us. It's up to God. And so some people will be sifted. Because GFCC, we're shifting. And we're shifting the darkness. We're shifting the, the walls. Because this church has been called to be a revival church. You're a revival people. You have a hunger for God. Are you a vessel of honor or dishonor tonight? I just want to pray over us all, and I just want you to keep this before God. Just keep it before God. Pray and ask God. I pray God would convict our hearts so strong. What am I? I'm going to pray over this body. And Pastor Michael, I want you to pray over all of our children. Will you do that? Lord, I pray over every individual.